Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sitting at the Feet of Jesus. I'm your host, Patrick Ransom. The episode today is centering around the topic of radical generosity as an act of worship. Would you say that you are a radically generous person when it comes to the giving of your time, talent, and your treasure to the local church? That's a question that we're going to struggle with today. And, and do we realize that our giving of our time, talent, and treasure is an act of, of worship? Normally when we think of worship, we think of, you know, um, when we go into the church and we associate, you know, the music or the songs or the lyrics, the melody, the emotion that comes around that, uh, that that's what we normally consider worship. Maybe, maybe you think it's the sermon or the illustrations in the server, maybe the specific Bible verses, or the delivery style that your preacher uh, gives. Maybe some would say even prayer is considered a part of worship. All of these are components of the worship experience at your local church. However, uh, friends, there is something uh, more. There's something different yet vital to worship, and that is giving. Now, when I'm talking about giving here today, I'm not simply referring to uh, money. I'm talking about the three T's. That is your time, your talent, and your treasure. It's not just about collecting money. It's not even really about money. When when we give with radical generosity, uh, it is an act of worship. In fact, I, I would almost venture to say it could be considered one of the most purest and most personal ways we worship God. Radical generosity is an act of worship. You know, uh, I, I chose the term radical generosity instead of tithing because, because we often still hear this term tithing. Um, and there's a lot of questions around that. Is this simply a New Testament uh, concept, this radical giving? Is, is tithing only Old Testament? You know, or, or, or can we find tithe both in the New Testament and the Old, is it just a principle? So we're going to answer a couple of those questions about tithing this morning. I like to, to venture on the side of calling it radical generosity or radical giving. And we're going to look at three things here today. Giving as an act of worship in response to one, uh, who God is. Two, giving as an act of worship by trusting God. And three, giving as a giving as an act of worship by honoring God. That's in response to God, by trusting God, and by honoring him. So what, is the, what does the Bible tell us, uh, friends, about tithing? Right, the, In the Old Testament, the verse about tithing, one-tenth of your income is found first in Leviticus 27.30. It says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord, right? The, this 10% requirement specifically comes from the Hebrew translation of tithe or, or 10. And other passages that are also talk about tithing in the Old Testament are Numbers 18, 26. It says, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as a Lord's offering. Deuteronomy 14.22 also says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all your fields' produce each and every year. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test 
now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So the so the question I often hear is, does the Bible actually say give 10%? And I would say yes. E even before tithes were required by Mosaic law, Abraham tithed once in, in Genesis 14, 20, and Jacob pledged to tithe all that he had in Genesis 28, 22. Later, the Old Testament law required multiple tithing for the Levites, uh, you know, temple operations, paying for the fees, paying for the poor, paying for the unfortunate. In total, many of these tithes came out, y'all, somewhere between 20 and 30 percent. Plus, on top of that, any additional voluntary giving of first fruit and free will offerings. So, so often when I hear this complaint about um, tithing, well, man, just 10 percent is too much. I've had somebody tell me this in the past. You don't understand. Uh, I make a lot of money, this person told me, and 10% is just, just an, an awful lot. And I said, well, it really is just relative. 10% for you is, is still 10% for me. It's still 10%. But, but let's not get hung up on the 10% because even if we're sticking to the Old Testament tithing, it's not even 10% folks. It's more like 20 to 30%. So what does the New Testament say about tithing? After Jesus saved humanity from eternal death, he introduced a new perspective on tithing and offerings in John 3, 16, honestly. Jesus endorses tithing, but he expects his followers to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees for whom he encouraged to give even more than the tithing in Matthew 23, 23. Here's what somebody told me about tithing, and I think you know it radically changed the way I... I view my giving, uh, especially coming in as a new believer. Uh, and I think this is uh, groundbreaking, right? It's this idea uh, that God owns everything. And we, his people, are simply money managers. I want to I make sure you, you get that. God owns everything, and his people are merely money managers. God continues to give everything that you and I will need, including money, and in return, we are to manage that money so his blessings and generosity are not wasted. Right? We're, we're the manager of the, of the money. Moreover, gaining money is only possible through him, so Christians may show their gratitude by returning a portion of that money. Now, this is what I also hear. Okay, Okay, Pastor, what is that portion then? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? And I would say, is it is it really a number that you're looking at? Or another way to word that question would be, how, how much should I give or how much can I give in gratitude for what Christ has done for me? Understanding that all of that money comes from Christ in the first place. We are simply there to manage it. Second, giving to God is, is the best antidote, my friends, for materialism, right? Money can't buy happiness. Instead, happiness is gained by who a person has, which is God, rather than by what a person has, things. This is what, this is what said in 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's a great antidote for materialism, realizing that what we have, everything we have comes from God. 
And third, Christians are to give to the church in proportion to God's provision. Um, instead of asking how much is required, we are to be ask how much can I possibly give? Right? Tithe in the Old Testament establishes rules for proportionate giving. Today, anyone dedicated to Christ should be able to offer an appropriate proportion of their wealth voluntarily and willingly and gratefully to support the ongoing operations of the church. So let's look at first here what I want to talk about today. Giving as an octave worship in response to who God is. When we give as an act of worship, our giving provides, obviously, and I don't want to overlook this, for the um, for the operations, if you will, of the local church, right? If you love the music uh, at your church and you, and you love the air conditioning and you love the pews, friends, all of that is paid for by the giving of you and me. It, it's a component of worship that allows the children's ministry at our church to thrive or the student ministry to thrive or the buildings to be air conditioned or the maintenance to be done. And yes, and, and to pay for the pastors and the preachers. Giving helps the church to be the church in a very logistical and a practical way, just as it did for the Levites in the Old Testament, by the way, because that's what the initial giving was, was to help support the Levites whose sole responsibility was to the temple. So how do we give as an act of worship in response to who God is, right? Uh, worship is to be our response to God, who God is. Nehemiah 9.6 tells us this, you, Lord, are the only God. You created the heavens, the highest heavens with all the stars, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them and all the stars of heaven worship you. Friends, friends, do we give as an act of worship just for who God is, his characteristics, that he's holy, that he's omniscient, he's omnipresent? Do we give just for who God is? But second, we also give for what God has done. Genesis 13, the Lord blessed Abraham, then called Abram with the land as far as the eye can see, and the promise that he would be blessed with so many descendants that they could not be numbered. Genesis 13, 15 through 16. Abraham's response to that news was to build an altar to God, a place to worship. Everywhere Abraham traveled, he would build an altar and pitch a tent. Y'all, Abram was a pitch-tenting, worshiping kind of guy in response to who God was and what God had done for him in his life. Genesis 14 continues with Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a high priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Abram is blessed by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed to be God Most High, who has handed over your enemies to you. And Abram gave a tenth of everything. Don't miss that. He gave a tenth of everything. This is the first time in Scripture that we see the giving a, of a tenth of everything. This was a time of victory for Abraham and his family. They, they had just overcome an enemy against all odds. There was a blessing from the king, Melchizedek, who was also a priest. And instead of having the attitude of what's in it for me, 
or hey, look how great I am, or hey, look, I just had this fantastic victory. Abraham gave a tenth of all he had in response to what God had done. It was an act of worship, y'all, in response to God's goodness and faithfulness. And he set forth this pattern, a, a model, if you will, of what it looks like to give to God as an act of worship. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He did it without hesitation. And though this phrase is not used directly in the scripture here, I would say he gave it with a cheerful heart. There was this attitude of gratitude for what God had done. And the only way that he could respond was by giving a tenth of everything he had. That was his appropriate response to who God was and what God had done. And third, what God will do in the future. The next time we see tithing in Scripture is in Genesis 28 with Abraham's grandson, Jacob. It's obvious to me that tithing had become a, a family habit, a lifestyle of worship by giving back to God for which he had provided. In this chapter, Jacob dreams about a ladder. It is where we get the term Jacob's ladder from. He placed a stone on the ground, laid his head down, and went to sleep and had this dream about a ladder reaching up to the heavens. And in the dream, Jacob heard these words from the Lord. Genesis 28, 15 to 22. Look, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. He was afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. This is no none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and he set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and named the place Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, if he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then the Lord will be my God. The stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give to you a tenth of all that you gave to me. Notice Jacob sees everything here as a gift or provision from God, right? The food, the clothes, the shelter, the safety, all of it came from God. In response to that, Jacob makes this vow of commitment in verse 22, and he says, this stone that I've set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give you a tenth of all that you give to me. It was an act of worship. J Jacob tithed, committing for it to be a lifestyle. I will give you, meaning I will keep giving you a tenth of all that you give me. It's a future tense verb here. I will give in the future to you a tenth for all that you have given me in the future. I can't help but just think of my own family, uh, what I've instilled in my kids and hopefully the grandkids. Right, Jacob here sets a benchmark for from that moment on to do what his father and grandfather must have taught him. He would be a man who both tithed now and in the future, and it would become his plan of action for the rest of his life. Friends, are, are we instilling that in our kids and our grandkids? Just how important giving back to God for who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. We also give, uh, secondly here, as an act of worship by trusting God. In the New Testament, we have this beautiful picture of what it looks like to trust God through giving. Mark, Mark chapter 12 says this, starting verse 41. It says, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many people, 
including the rich, were putting very large sums of money in. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Seeing this, Jesus summoned his disciples and said, Truly I tell you this, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all these others. For they gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. A nameless poor widow touches the heart of God. She provided an example to the disciples and to you and I what worship looks like through giving and giving it all. Although she gave out of a purse lacking in coins, she gave out an abundance in faith. She did not know what tomorrow would hold, but she did not want to miss out on this opportunity today to worship God through giving. Unlike this widow, I'm just going to confess, I, I tend to focus on what we do not have or what I do not have instead of what I do have. Maybe you're a lot like me in this manner. Perhaps we focus on how much we used to make or we focus on what what we might make in the future when we should be just thinking about all that God has done now. And this attitude of gratitude really is reflected then in our giving this lady had a completely different attitude. It was simple. It was pure. What is in it for God instead of what is in it for me? Notice Jesus shifted uh, from being an observer here as he watched this to being a teacher. He didn't want the disciples to miss this very important lesson of what this lady had unintentionally given. She did not have a surplus of money, but she had a surplus of trust. And in Jesus' words, he says, for they all gave out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she's had. Abraham, Jacob, and this widow lived in different times. Abraham was abundantly wealthy. wealthy. Jacob had plenty of everything beyond measure, yet this woman lived in poverty and all three of them, friends, don't miss this, had a common thread among them. They each worshiped God through giving as a response, as an act of trust. They trusted God. And third, we, we, we give as an act of honoring God. A very familiar verse to many of us. You probably have it hanging on your house somewhere in, in, in maybe a room. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, written by Solomon, right? 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. That's right. Trusting is an intentional step that truly honors God. Most people uh, have this plaque, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, but yet they stop right at the end of verse 6. And friends, if, if you would just read just a couple more verses, here through verse 9, you'll find this concept of honoring God with your resources. Proverbs 3, 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first produce of your entire harvest. Verse 9 here applies this principle of acknowledging the hand of God in the financial side of our lives. To know God in our financial ways means to honor him. We, we trust the Lord with all of our heart. We can honor the Lord with all that we have. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not 
grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a what? Cheerful giver, right? Not, oh, I can't believe I have to give this 10% again or 20% again. Is I can't wait to give. So giving with a cheerful heart, it's out of our compulsion. It's out of the heart that, that desires to show God um, an act of worship. When we give from our heart, we are giving from this sense of, uh, I would say, joy and not a sense of responsibility, right? Joyful giving is contagious, right? And it produces more, more joy. Yeah, I love the amplified version of 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says this, it says, God delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. Honoring God with our tithes and our offering both delights him and brings delight to us as we give cheerfully, right? Notice the honoring of the Lord is not an afterthought with leftovers, right? It is honoring God by giving the first produce of the entire harvest. The tithe we offer God as a gift is not just about money. It's about the heart. And as we trust and honor God, Jesus tells us the truth in the Sermon on the Mount. He says here in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Be. It always comes back to the heart, doesn't it? it? Comes back to relationship with God. It comes back to worship, and it's never too late to begin this relational act of worship called tithing, or giving, or radical giving, or radical generosity as a way to honor God. Friends, I want to end with this: radical generosity is based on a relationship. God trusts us to manage the resources that he has given us. God asks us to trust him with the tithe that we present. As we respond to God, he responds to us. As we trust God, he trusts us. And as we honor God, he honors us. Giving of our time, talent, and treasure is a wonderful barometer, a litmus test, if you will, of our relationship with God, not based on guilt, not based on obligation, or duty, but rather on our heart of worship. Imagine, friends, if when somebody met you, they would say, hey, that person is radically generous, giving all they have in relationship with God. Almighty. My friends, it begins with our relationship with God and our heart of worship. Amen. Let me close with us in prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to, to examine our hearts uh, as it pertains to our giving. Lord, thank you just for your abundant provision and protection over our lives that you uh, that you bring us back to your word each and every day, uh, continuing to teach us uh, what you would have for us, uh, continuing to transform us into the likeness of your son. Help us, Lord, to be gracious with our giving, generous, radically generous, Lord, as we give back to you as an act of worship for who you are, what you've done, what you will do. Lord, that we trust you and we honor you with our giving. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. See you next time, folks.